the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It was inevitable. Remember Robert Reich, the little guy who was Labor Secretary for Bill Clinton and has been a regular expert guest on the liberal networks ever since? Well, he's been knocking on the door, but today he finally knocked it down. And now it's time for the Jerk of the Week, starring John Steigerwald. Yeah, he's been uh, cranking out Jerk of the Week material on Twitter for a long time. Uh, but after the Democrats' new voting law, uh, their law that died a, a horrible death in the Senate, and one of the two Democrats who voted against it, uh, Kirsten Cinema of Arizona, was seen shaking hands with Republicans. Well, Bobby produced uh, this gem. Quote, Tonight, Republicans lined up to shake Kirsten Cinema's hand. Democratic senators should have given her the backs of their hands. That's right. Let me read that again. Tonight, Republicans lined up to shake Kirsten Sinema's hand. Democratic senators should have given her the backs of their hands. That's right, a liberal Democrat suggested that a woman who voted against his socialist buddies should be slapped around a little bit, you know. Funny he didn't say that, though, about the other Democrat who voted no. Maybe you uh, heard of Joe Manchin of West Virginia. He's a man. Um, Maybe that's why Bobby didn't think he should be slapped around. But anyway, Reich was trashed by conservatives everywhere and immediately deleted the tweet and then tried to defend himself by saying back of the hand is a common expression. And he really didn't mean that he thought cinema should be slapped. So he hasn't apologized. As I said, uh, Bobby generates plenty of award-worthy material every day on Twitter Most of it complaints about CEOs making too much money. But this week he broke through. Robert Reich is this week's Windows R Us Jerk of the Week. The Jerk of the Week is brought to you by Windows R Us, Pittsburgh's premier exterior replacement company. Expert repair and replacement for windows, roofs, siding, doors, gutters, and downspouts. Why pay double? Visit WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. And when we come back, uh, someone in the local media finally did a story on the fatal tissue experiments. Not fatal, fetal tissue experiments going on at Pitt that uh, some people consider genocide. I guess they're fatal, too, aren't they? Uh, Pitt got a pass. We'll talk to the guy who made it all public several months ago. Stick around. This is Sebastian Gorka, and I want to invite you to join me for a powerful travel opportunity that will likely become the highlight of your year. I'm headed to Israel in November 2022 for a 10-day Stand with Israel tour of the key sites and best places meant to give you an unprecedented view of a world you've likely only read or heard about. Together, we'll uncover key geopolitical insights as we unpack Israel's significance on the world stage. You'll return home empowered by the experience. If you've ever dreamt of visiting Israel, this is your opportunity. Come with me in 2022. For more information, call 855-565-5519 or book online at Stand with israeltour.com 855-565-5519 or stand with israeltour.com Well, when we have days uh, when it's this cold, do you feel a little sorry for people uh, who are smoking outside? They have to leave their building to, to grab a smoke and they stand outside in temperatures in the single digits and smoke their cigarette and maybe they'd like to quit, and well, maybe you smoke and you'd like to quit, well, you should try MyNicotineTest.com. It was founded by Matt Bars. He's the director of the New York City Fire Department tobacco program, 
and he developed it for the firefighters who had to go into the buildings on 9-11. The ones who smoked had serious problems because of it. And uh, his program had a quit rate of 70%. That's 7 out of 10. And now you can get involved in that same program, and they offer a money-back guarantee. What happens is uh, with uh, MyNicotineTest.com, they measure your nicotine levels with a urine test, and that uh, they use that to customize your treatment so you don't feel miserable as you're trying to quit. You don't have to quit immediately. Uh, and now for a limited time, you can get your expert tobacco coaching free with a nicotine test purchase. Uh, they'll guide you with tips and secrets to finally make quitting a reality. MyNicotineTest.com works with all tobacco products, including vaping and smokeless. If you're not a smoker, order a gift card for your loved one at MyNicotineTest.com. That's MyNicotineTest.com. Cancer. So many lives are touched by cancer. In fact, one in two men and one in three women will be diagnosed with cancer. At the American Cancer Society, we're on a mission to free the world from cancer. It's a big mission, driven by little things like a ride to treatment, a free place to stay, a 24-7 helpline. But these little things are really the big things. Because to a cancer patient and their family, they're everything. And every day we reach thousands of cancer patients who so desperately need these services. But we need your help to get these critical services to more people and families in need this holiday season. Go to cancer.org and join the fight against cancer. It takes just minutes to donate and help provide essential support to cancer patients and their families. Don't wait. More than one in three people will be diagnosed with cancer. Go to cancer.org right now and make a difference. Go to cancer.org. Live right now, the free Married in 12 Months or Less five-day challenge at lovestories.com. Featuring creator, author, and matchmaker Jackie Dorman. Jackie's teachings have helped thousands of women just like you get out of the waiting room and step into the love story that God has written for them. Are you wondering if this year you'll still be asking why it seems so easy for other people to find love but so hard for me? If you're feeling the pain of being alone and are tired of everyone around you finding their soulmates and leaving you behind, then get ready to remove the barriers to finding the marriage of your dreams and start believing it's possible for you. Hi, I'm Jackie Dorman. Join me in my Married in 12 Months Challenge, where I'll teach you why now is your time to find love, what are the lies that are holding you back, and the tools you need to become a bride. Register at lovestories.com. That's lovestories.com. Pick up Jackie's book, Married in 12 Months or Less, wherever books are sold. Hi, I'm Ben Affleck. The only thing better than playing a hero in the movies is being a hero in real life. Like the 50,000 veterans who returned from Iraq and Afghanistan with devastating injuries. They are true heroes, and they're why I'm proud to support Paralyzed Veterans of America. For more than 60 years, Paralyzed Veterans of America has made a promise to never leave a fallen comrade behind. They make sure veterans with spinal cord injuries get the quality medical care, rehabilitation, and housing they need when they come home. They stay with our fallen heroes for the long term, offering counseling, job training, and support to help them regain the freedom and independence they fought so hard for, all at no cost to them. Our veterans fought for us. Let's fight for them. To learn more about how you can help, visit pva.org. That's pva.org. We will never leave a fallen comrade behind. A public service message from Paralyzed Veterans of America. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Well, the March for Life is going on now in Washington. It's the 49th anniversary of Roe v. Wade, and the Supreme Court could be ready to overturn that in a few months. Meanwhile, we told you, uh, we have been telling you about experiments with aborted babies going on at Pitt and how the local media did a good job of ignoring it. Yesterday, the Post-Gazette did a story on it and said that a review found the research was, quote-unquote, fully compliant with laws. David DeLayden is the founder of the Center for Medical Progress. He played a major role role in uh, publicizing this research. He joins us now. David, thanks for coming on. It's great to to talk to you guys today. So um, you read the Post-Gazette story. Does it in any way get pit off the hook in your mind? So, um, no, not at all. The University of Pittsburgh is not off the hook um, in any way uh, based on what this uh, this so-called regulatory assessment report that was issued or that was finally published 
uh, released this week by Pitt's hired law firm from Washington, D.C. By the, by the report's own admission, it did not investigate the actual abortion practice at Pitt's, uh, Pitt's uh, affiliated training hospitals like the McGee Women's Hospital, uh, part of the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center, or UPMC, the, uh, which is uh, where the abortion program is staffed by Planned Parenthood abortion doctors from Planned Parenthood Western Pennsylvania, uh, where the report says that's where the abortions are being done, that the Pitt Biospecimen Research Corps um, obtains the fetuses and harvests the body parts from them for the experiments at Pitt uh, academic side. This report uh, explicitly admits that it did not examine the abortion practice and the actual fetal organ harvesting practices at UPMC. And that's a huge glaring admission. That means that, uh, that the most serious allegations that have been reported and that we've reported on, that your show's reported on, that people are the most concerned about, um, about uh, partial birth abortions and infants being delivered alive and killed by organ harvesting um, in the fetal experimentation program, this regulatory assessment by its own admission was not geared to investigate that and did not investigate that. So it doesn't let Pitt off the hook it raises and creates more problems than it solves. It didn't look at the relationship with Planned Parenthood. Um, and for the, uh, for the, I guess, the series of University of Pittsburgh academic side documents that it did look at in this review, um, it says that they actually found repeated failures to document patient consent properly in the fetal tissue program. So it only raises more questions and more problems than it answers and solves. And Representative Natalie Mihalik, who uh, was responsible for sort of getting this review off the ground and getting it started, you know, when she announced this proudly together with the university several months ago, she said that this was going to be all about transparency and accountability at Pitt. Um, and so I think she shares some, some direct responsibility here for this very limited, narrow, and um, insufficient scope of the review that was done. She recognized that in the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette story that the um, that this review did not look into the most important stuff at UPMC. So I think it's totally incumbent on her if this is, if this is really about transparency and accountability um, and for her constituents to make sure that at least the documents that this review was based on, that those are all released publicly immediately so we can actually see the source documents that this review was working off of, and then furthermore, to push for an actual legislative investigation of UPMC, Planned Parenthood Western Pennsylvania, and their relationship with the entire University of Pittsburgh system. Yeah, and of course, this becomes a, a political issue because tax uh, payers are paying for this. Yep. So that's, you know, that, that it, makes it a political issue. Fund on all sides. Yeah. So you had suggested that what was being done at UPMC was inf- infanticide, why? Let I me mean, let's kind of review what um, you know what what this is all about. And did the Post Gazette story say that the review looked at that? Apparently, uh, you just said they didn't. So, but but you, where was where's the possible infanticide? If we can review that. Yeah, the review did not look at it whatsoever. Um, some of your listeners may remember several months ago when um, Center for Medical Progress, first together with Judicial Watch, released documents that we had, we had obtained from the National Institutes of Health from the federal NIH under a FOIA request where we obtained the original grant application that the University of Pittsburgh submitted for the what's called the GoodMap project or the GoodMap program at NIH. It stands for Genitourinary Developmental Mapping Atlas Program. Um, and, in, and in the grant application for the GoodMap project, which, is t- which, is, uh, which was titled to make the University of Pittsburgh a national distribution hub for late-term aborted fetal kidneys for taxpayer-funded researchers all across the country. In this application document to the NIH, where the University of Pittsburgh is basically advertising to the NIH why they will be the best location to be the national distribution hub for aborted fetal kidneys, 
Um, the University of Pittsburgh explicitly states in this grant application that the reason they are going to be so good at harvesting fetal kidneys is because they, uh, they track what they call the warm ischemic time of all of the fetal body parts that they harvest. And they take steps to ensure that the, that the warm ischemic time is, uh, is kept to an absolute minimum based on the needs of the researchers uh, that they're supplying the fetal tissue to. Warm ischemic time uh, means the amount of time that an organ loses, uh, you know, that, an organ, uh, that an organ has lost its blood flow or been disconnected from blood flow um, in, a, in a surgical situation. So, um, and then they and then they go on in the grant application to say that that one of the methods of um, one of the methods of abortion that will be used for fetal tissue harvesting is uh, labor induction abortion. So, just inducing inducing labor and pushing the fetus out of the woman um, as if it were as if it were a birth. Um, so, these are situations where you know infantis or a, a feticidal chemical like digoxin can't be used to kill the fetus you know before the abortion is completed because that would maximize the ischemic time. It wouldn't minimize it. Um, and so, when you put those two things together, that they're talking about minimizing the loss of blood flow to the fetal kidneys um, before they harvest them, and uh, and using labor induction procedures to get these late-term fetuses five and six months old. Um, that starts to look suspiciously like, at the very least, a classical case of partial birth abortion, but but more likely the actual killing of, a, of an infant that's delivered alive um, by the kidney harvesting. Um, when the University of Pittsburgh was confronted about this several months ago, their spokesperson actually said, said in his public statement, he said, oh, he said, well, he said the ischemic time refers to the time after the tissue harvesting procedure is completed. And so you're like, wait a second, if you're saying that, you know, ischemic time by the medical definition, by the NIH's definition, means the loss of blood flow, the time there's a loss of circulation to the organ. And if the University of Pittsburgh's representative is stating to media that loss of blood flow, loss of circulation with the kidneys doesn't occur until after the harvesting is completed. That means the harvesting is happening while the baby is still alive. The harvesting is happening while there's still circulation to the organs. So these are, you know, very serious, serious, disgusting, barbaric um, issues that are not unheard of um, and not unprecedented that this has been reported about the fetal at the University of Pittsburgh, there have been whistleblowers going back to the 1970s in Pennsylvania talking about stuff like this happening at the Pitt, um, at the Pitt training hospitals. Um, and so the fact that, you know, that the, that the review, again, solely focused on like academic uh, protocol documents at the University of Pittsburgh academic side, but did not touch the actual clinical abortion practice um, at the McGee Women's Hospital in the UPMC system or at Planned Parenthood Western Pennsylvania, which the Pitt OBGYN department advertises as a contracted care site of the University of Pittsburgh healthcare system. So, uh, you know, they just, they completely ignored the, you know, the most important, um, the most important part um, of, of this entire problem. Um, and it's, I think it's a really glaring admission, and it's not going to answer any questions, and it's not going to stop the questions and the scrutiny from coming. Uh, UPMC is an acronym, uh, uh, but around here, David, and, and I'm, I'm sure around the country too, but U- UPMC has become a word. It's one of those acronyms that, that is not really uh, an acronym anymore because it's become such an entity and such a recognizable name. But it stands for University of Pittsburgh Medical Center. But according to this story, the university seems to want, still want to separate itself from what UPMC does, as though the, the university isn't involved in the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center. Re- the report seems to side with Pitt on that, that they, they can't be held responsible for anything that UPMC is doing. That's not Pitt. Yeah, it's, it's pretty astounding when, you know, the report itself says that the University of Pittsburgh fetal harvesting programs um, work within and through the UPMC uh, McGee Women's Hospital and other clinical locations to obtain their fetal tissue. Uh, the University of Pittsburgh's OBGYN department that has all the abortion doctors on staff from the local Planned Parenthood 
um, has its headquarters within McGee um, in the UPMC system. They're uh, training clinical practices for their medical students and their medical residents and the Planned Parenthood Abortion Training Program that they run there, the Ryan Residency Training Program. All of that happens through UPMC um, at McGee and other locations um, as part of Pitt's academic program. Um, the University of Pittsburgh and the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center are both nonprofit entities that are part of the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center group, which is an umbrella group for both of them, the UPMC group. Um, and there are multiple, you know, uh, board trustees on the University of Pittsburgh um, academic side on their board of trustees that are also board directors for University of Pittsburgh Medical Center. Um, and there's hundreds of millions of dollars that go back and forth between the two organizations every year. So it, it's totally astounding and really unbelievable for University, for University of Pittsburgh to try to say, you know, we have, we have nothing to do with, with what's going on at UPMC. I mean, their faculty are the ones doing the abortions and training their students at the university how to do them at the UPNC facilities. So they can't say they have no responsibility or no insight or no oversight or no visibility into all of that, um, which is why, again, it's completely unacceptable that this review that the public and, and, and constituents in the Pittsburgh area were told is going to be geared towards transparency and getting answers and accountability. It's completely unacceptable that it, it, it totally ignored that, um, that clinical practice side of the equation. Uh, we're talking to David Delayden. He's the founder of the Center for Medical Progress, and he uh, was instrumental in uh, exposing what's going on at Pitt. And uh, now, since then, the Post-Gazette has a story uh, that t- tells the story of the law firm that uh, Pitt hired to do a review. And it, uh, the story seems to try uh, do a good job of at least trying to get Pitt off the hook. Um, it's interesting that uh, Pitt... Uh, in the story, the Post-Gazette reporter wrote, quote, using fetal tissue and cells obtained from a dead human embryo. The use of the word dead is interesting to me, but I think you have to have a life before something could be dead. But anyway, using fetal tissue and cells obtained from a dead human embryo or fetus after a spontaneous or induced abortion or after a stillbirth is common and has led to the development for vaccines for polio, measles, and chickenpox. What do you say to that? There are no cures or therapies um, for any disease that are available on the market today that are made using aborted fetal, um, that, are, that are made using aborted uh, fetal organs. Um, it's, uh, you know, people I think remember from the, um, remember from the, uh, you know, from the debate around uh, embryonic stem cell research, right, about 20 years ago when we were promised Superman was going to fly again, and there were going to be all these amazing cures that will, would come from um, destructive embryonic stem cell research. And you know, my home state of California even passed something like a three billion dollar bond to to fund to fund that kind of work for for about a decade. And it turns out um, all of the all of the great advancements in regenerative medicine and cell based medicine um, and cell based therapies um, have come from adult stem cell research. Not from uh, not from embryonic and not from fetal. Um, so it's really uh, you know it's really a um, it's you know ultimately becomes a very disturbing justification when a you know an, an an academic research institution with brilliant scientists and people who study the natural world like the University of Pittsburgh um, you know resorts to a justification that says you know we have to you know we have to kill our children or kill some people's children in order to have the ingredients for our science and for our medicine. Um, I think that really debases what it means to be a scientist and what it means to be a doctor to say that we have to rely on killing babies in order to heal people. Hey, I have about 30 seconds left, uh, David. Uh, Real quick, what's next uh, for the Center for Medical Progress? You're going to be following up on this? Definitely, um, we are uh, we are tracking the Pittsburgh situation very closely. The um, the fight over uh, over the release of a lot of different um, a lot of these different documents, um, the NIH documents and FOIA requests that continues. There's a lot of information that's been redacted. There's a lot of information that the federal government does not want to cough up. 
um, about the um, about the major taxpayer-funded fetal experiments that they've been funding at the University of Pittsburgh. We are fighting to get those released um, and get those reported to the public. Um, we are working on more videos that will be coming out, um, tying more of this stuff together uh, in 2022. And of course, you know, we're very excited to see what the Supreme Court does um, later this year. It right. looks like um, it looks like uh, power is going to be returned to the people to protect children in the womb and, and uh, families who are vulnerable to the abortion industry. Very good, so, uh, hey, David. I really appreciate you coming on. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Okay, that's David Delidens, a founder of the Center for Medical Progress. We'll be right back. With SRN News, I'm John Scott in the nation's capital. We are hoping and praying that this year, 2022, will bring a historic change for life. March for Life President Jean Mancini says she's hoping for a big ruling from the Supreme Court later this year. Thousands of pro-life protesters rallying in the nation's capital with a growing sense of optimism that their goal was finally in reach, a sweeping rollback of access to abortion. New Jersey Congressman Chris Smith. Equality begins in the womb, and the injustice of abortion need not be forever. And on Wall Street, stocks uh, have moved lower now. The Dow is down 285 points, and the Nasdaq is off 251. This is SRN News. Let's ring in the new year by checking off an important to-do. Your old videotapes and photos are fading as each year passes. VCRs are becoming extinct, and the clock is ticking to save your family's most cherished memories. Hi, I'm Adam Baselock. And I'm Nick Mako. We started Legacy Box to help you preserve your captured moments by converting all your videotapes, photos, and even film reels into perfectly preserved digital files. Legacy Box is the easiest resolution to do and can be done in minutes. Just fill your Legacy Box, send it in, and we'll send it back with your memories perfectly preserved. Legacy Box is the world's largest digitizer of home movies and photos. All the work is done right here in the USA, and over a million customers have trusted Legacy Box. Let's kick off the new year right by rescuing your memories that haven't been watched or enjoyed in years. Order your Legacy Box today. Go to LegacyBox.com slash LBOX for 40% off your Legacy Box. That's LegacyBox.com slash LBOX for 40% off. LegacyBox.com slash LBOX. AM 1250, The Answer. Larry Elder. People are asking me, Elder, run for mayor. Elder, run for senator. Elder, run for governor. Run for governor? I might as well stick my hand down a garbage disposal when you consider... Democrats and independents who vote Democrat in California outnumber Republicans three to one. That's why I have formed a pack called Elder for America. Throw a little something in the tip jar. Let's help Republicans take back the House, take back the Senate, and let's get rid of these soft on crime DAs. On the next Larry Elder Show. The Larry Elder Show. Weeknights at 7 on AM 1250. The answer. Hear the latest reporting and analysis on the big stories of the day on the Daybreak Insider Podcast. It's top-notch reporting from SRN News, along with the sharpest insight from Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Dennis Prager, Sebastian Gorka, and the voices of townhall.com. The Daybreak Insider Podcast. It's your first look at today's top stories. Available at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and at SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Paid for by CompleteCar.com. This is a special alert for all Americans who own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles with an auto warranty about to expire or with no warranty coverage at all. Due to the COVID crisis, we are announcing a low-cost extended service plan that's now available to the public to save any driver out-of-pocket expenses on auto repairs. Call now to find out how you can pay nothing for auto repairs. Yes, you heard that correctly. Pay nothing for auto repairs. An open phone line has been established for all drivers to call for a free quick quote. Call 800-959-4526 now. Drivers who are covered by this auto protection will not have to pay for a covered repair bill again. This auto coverage is at an all-time low, much lower than what dealerships are charging. Additionally, drivers who activate this auto coverage today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and free rental car at no additional cost. Call for your free quick quote today. Call 800-959-4526. 800-959-4526. What do you have to lose? Call 800-959-4526 now. Visit us on the web at completecar.com. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The 
Answer. WPGP, Pittsburgh, a division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the Answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or Odyssey. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. They're still all stacked up on the Parkway East outbound from Boulevard of the Allies up to the Squirrel Hill Tunnel. Close to a 10-minute delay there. Also busy on the inbound side into the tunnel. Parkway West, heavy inbound between Green Tree Road and the Fort Pitt Tunnel. A few pockets of volume as well outbound from Banksville Road up to Carnegie. Delays on outbound 28. That's an accident approaching the Highland Park Bridge. You'll see some slowdowns from Route 8 on up. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, The Answer, Weather. Clear and frigid for tonight. Extended time outside could lead to hypothermia. We'll see a low of 1. Mostly sunny skies tomorrow, the high 25. Rather cloudy tomorrow night with a low of 19. Sunday, cloudy and cold. A little snow at times in the afternoon, accumulating a coating to an inch. We'll see a high Sunday of 25. For Monday, some sunshine turning cloudy. An afternoon flurry, high 32. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. This is the John Stackerwalt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. Hey, real quick before I forget, uh, on February 3rd, I'm going to be doing the show from Pit Cycles out in Warrendale, right next to Jurgens. Uh, Jurgles, I should say. They have a, uh, a redesigned Triumph showroom and uh, some bikes that have never been seen before. I'll be talking about it over the next uh, week or so. But uh, February 3rd, that was two weeks from yesterday, Pit Cycles in Warrendale. Meanwhile... Uh, the NCAA dropped the buck on the stupidity of allowing men to compete with uh, and against women in sports yesterday. I think it was when, they, when it came out with a decision. Alliance Defending Freedom has been fighting this uh, stupidity for a while now. Matt Sharp is senior counsel at ADF, and he joins us now. Matt, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me on. So uh, was any progress made with the NCAA's new policy announced? Uh, I guess it was Wednesday when it came out. That's right. Now, no, this was a, a complete cowardly move by the NCAA. Of Rather than taking leadership of actually working to protect fairness in women's sports, it threw up its hand and said, we're going to leave it to others to decide. And what this means in practice is that girls are not going to be protected. Uh, they're going to still be forced to compete against guys in many sports because the NCAA is just punting on this and, and leaving it to all of these other groups and organizations, many whom have very progressive unfair policies that are going to undermine opportunities for women and girls. So this is a classic case of passing the buck that they're going to rely on each sports governing body. And then if that governing body doesn't come, have some kind of a, a stance on it, it goes on to the IOC, International Olympic Committee. Yeah, that's exactly right. And whether you're looking at the, the IOC's policies, which allow men on women's teams, or looking at a lot of these governing bodies, uh, a lot of them have shown themselves to have policies that take away these opportunities that allow guys on girls' teams. Uh, and that's why we're seeing these things happen, like at University of Pennsylvania uh, with swimmer Leah Thomas, a, a mm-hmm. male that was dominating in many swimming events. And that type of thing is going to be continued to be allowed under USA Swimming's policy and, and others that the NCAA is punting to. It's sure. It's it's just a classic case of uh, passing the buck because all the NCAA is saying here, isn't it, is is just uh, you know what we don't want to deal with this. Uh, we'll you know check check uh, check with the IOC or uh, I don't know I don't know the names of any of these other groups, but. Um, it is. It's just so cowardly. They, they just refuse to take a stance on it. Yeah, and, and we have to realize this is having real-world impacts. I mean, we, a lot of us know the situation at the University of Pennsylvania. Um, our firm is representing some incredible athletes in Connecticut, and, mm-hmm. and these are girls that lost championship opportunities, yep. lost spots on the podium, lost the chance to advance because of the very policies that now the NCAA is allowing to continue to exist. exist. And so this is, again, a real lost opportunity for the NCAA to show real leadership and real concern for women in college sports. Now, you mentioned Leah Thomas, the man uh, swimming on the Penn women's team, has been the main focus lately. Uh, swimming is governed by USA Swimming and or the International Swimming Federation, I guess. Any reason to expect any sanity from either one of those organizations on this? No. In fact, their policies of, of USA Swimming, for example, would continue to allow Leah Thomas to compete on the women's team uh, and continue to allow him to dominate and take all of these opportunities and other uh, real chances for success away from girls at UPenn and throughout college sports. Some women on the Penn team and some of their parents have come out strongly and publicly 
against uh, Thomas competing, but they only do it anonymously. Why is there so much fear when the stupidity and the unfairness is so obvious to any, anybody with a brain, as far as I'm concerned? Yeah, well, it is sad that a lot of these uh, female athletes that are wanting to speak up, I mean, they, they face some real bullying and, and pushback online and other places, uh, being called names and, and intimidated simply for taking a stand for what's right, what's common sense, what's fair. Uh, and so that's why we're, we're encouraged to see a growing number of voices speaking out, um, including female athletes that are concerned about this and including the, the athletes we're representing in Connecticut and Idaho and in other states that are standing up on this. Uh, but we know it is tough for uh, an athlete to stand up. Um, you know, she may have worry about losing scholarships, losing other opportunities. Uh, but I think more and more as we're seeing stories like these come out and seeing cowardice from the NCAA, we're going to see more and more women's voices standing up and, and standing to get real change and real fairness back into women's sports. We're talking to Matt Sharp. He's senior counsel at Alliance Defending Freedom, and uh, that organization has been out uh, in front trying to end the stupidity of men competing against women or women being forced to compete with and against men. Um, so you are an attorney. I, 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 what would happen if one of the women on the Penn's team, Penn swimming team, instead of coming out anonymously and saying how much she hates this, she were to uh, go public, um, and then and then she would lose her scholarship. Would would the school get a, be able to get away with taking her scholarship away for for speaking out against this? No, I don't think so. You know, one of the things Title IX protects is these equal opportunities and that, that a girl shouldn't be retaliated against for standing up and saying, this policy that you're allowing a guy to compete against me is unfair. It's violating Title IX. It's violating the, the whole goal of what women's sports is meant to provide. Uh, and that's actually the exact arguments we're making in the Connecticut case and in some of our others, is that these policies of allowing guys to compete on girls' teams, it's violating federal law. It's violating Title IX, and whether you're denying them an opportunity to be on the podium or spot on the team or retaliating against them for speaking out, that is denying them the equal opportunities that Title IX was meant to provide them when it was signed into law almost 50 years ago. Um, and so I think any of these schools face a real risk, not only of, of retaliating against a girl speaking out, but even persisting with these unfair, unlawful policies that are taking away opportunities for girls by allowing guys to come in and steal those chances away. Uh, I've, I've been following the Connecticut situation. I've had uh, people from ADF on to talk about it. I, I might even have had one of the girls who uh, was a victim of this stupidity, one of the uh, girls who was running track at the time. But these cases take so long that if, if you're a senior in high school and uh, uh, you're a woman, a girl, and a, and, a, and a guy shows up to play on the basketball team, you're the center, and a six foot four guy shows up and decides he's going to be the center, and you're out of a you're out of a position. Maybe it could affect your ability to get a scholarship. Who knows what? By the time that 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 uh, this was adjudicated, e- either officially through the courts or just through public opinion or whatever, your your opportunity is long gone. The, the like these Connecticut girls, they they were running track a couple of years ago. They, they're not running track in high school anymore, but they're still fighting it. That's right. And a lot of it, what they're doing is, one, they recognize that there was harm done. Um, for, for Chelsea Mitchell, for example, one of our clients, um, she would have had a championship. She would have had championships, but for these guys being allowed to compete. So part of what she's fighting for is for, to go back and rightfully get those championships that belong to her, but for this bad policy. But I think they are also fighting for the girls that are coming behind them. They recognize that what happened to them is going to continue to happen as long as these policies are in place. And that's why they continue to fight and fortunately have seen other girls step up, girls that are still in Connecticut and still competing there and still facing the harms that this policy imposes, standing up and standing with them to join this lawsuit. Uh, I think it also emphasizes why states need to be acting and passing laws to stop this from happening in the first place. Because like you said, no girl should ever lose a record or lose a championship because of a guy taking that away from her. And that's why we need to protect women's sports in every state across the country. How much difference would it make for ADF and other groups uh, like yours working against this if the people who, who are being harmed by it would speak out publicly? Yeah, I think it makes a huge deal. I think 
part of why the NCAA is doing this. I mean, it is a cowardly move, but they know that they are on the wrong side on this issue. And they're hearing more and more stories coming out and more and more people speaking out against this, uh, including, you know, athletes and, and female uh, sports and, and just so many others speaking out. Um, I even saw Michael Phelps was talking about this and saying, look, we, we got to have fairness. And so I think the NCAA and the, these groups still advocating for this realize that they're on the wrong side. And the more voices that speak up, the more women and girls that stand up and share their own experiences or their own concerns about this, it's going to continue this momentum going that hopefully we can see some real change brought about and, and fairness restored to women's sports. And again, on the legal side of this, uh, what would happen if sanity were to prevail at uh, the University of Pennsylvania and someone there decided, you know, this doesn't make any sense and we're not going to let this guy swim for the women's team? What right now, as the laws stand uh, uh, either in Pennsylvania or federal law, what uh, laws would back his, him up and allow him to stay on the team? Or are there any? I, I- no, I don't, I don't think there are any. I mean, when you read Title IX, it clearly says schools can maintain separate sports teams for men and women. Uh, it was a recognition back then that there are differences, and those differences are cause for celebration, uh, but also warrant having a women's team and a men's team. Um, and so there, there really is no basis to back this up. And that's why in other parts of the country, when policies that – limit female teams to females have been challenged in court. Now, there's actually one several years ago in Arizona that they had a good policy and wouldn't allow a couple of guys to play on a girl's volleyball team. Uh, The guys were saying, well, we want to play volleyball. There's not a guy's team. And the court said, look, this is a constitutional policy. It's preserving opportunities for women. If we allow you on, we're going to destroy women's sports as we know it. And so it upheld that policy. So there really is no legal claim that, that a man belongs on a woman's team to the contrary, the force of law clearly shows that these policies that undermine opportunities for women violate Title IX, violate fairness, and, and they're just the wrong policies to have. Of course, and the difference is, though, that Leah, that the, the two guys you mentioned that wanted to play volleyball, as far as I know, they weren't claiming to be women. Uh, the, you, have a, you, you have a man claiming to be a woman now, and that, that changes everything. Now it becomes what... What does the law say about a man's ability to to, to just declare I'm a woman for any purpose? Well, I would say legally it really doesn't change anything because in in, in both scenarios you still have a biological man wanting a spot on a women's team. And, And regardless of how the man identifies, that's really irrelevant to the question. It's really a matter of are you eligible for the women's team and under common sense policies that say women's teams are preserved for females, no, the male is not eligible, regardless of how he identifies. He's obviously eligible for the men's team, co-ed team, uh, regardless of all of that. And I think that's been an important point that a lot of times get lost in these conversations. Everybody should have the opportunity to compete in sports, regardless of their identity or anything. But the question is, what is most fair? And allowing men on women's teams in any circumstance is not fair. And that's what we're trying to preserve with these lawsuits and these laws that are passing to preserve fairness and make sure that we're not losing out on those valuable opportunities for our daughters and granddaughters. Yeah, but, but here's the thing that, I, that, that is confusing to me is that I, I, I agree with you that it's, uh, it's not right for a man to compete on a woman's team. But the people who are okay with this, they also consider Leah Thomas a woman. So they don't. If if, if he's officially a, the, considered a woman by the people in power, then they don't see any law being broken or any constitutional right being uh, uh, affected, because this is a this. Is, he says he's a woman. He's a woman. You know, I, I think that highlights why this issue is resonating uh, with so many people because. It's, it's really about more than sports. It is about what is truth and what it means to be male and female. And any person knows, any textbook will tell you is that sex, it's written into every cell of our body, every, every piece of our DNA and our genetics and our physiology. And when we have these laws and policies that reject that, it makes real harm in sports. Uh, it does it in places like women's shelter, where we've had cases where a man is allowed to come in and sleep in a women's shelter, a shelter that... that reached out to women fleeing sexual abuse. Uh, we're even seeing it in women's prisons now. Mm-hmm. And that's why these battles are important, because it's ultimately a, a battle about truth and being able to order our law and society consistent with that understanding that male and female is written into us, 
uh, and it matters in many circumstances. So on Wednesday, uh, just a couple of days ago, South Dakota passed legislation banning males from competing against uh, females. How many states have passed similar laws now, and and are they going to survive court challenges? Yeah, so uh, as of right now, there's nine states that have passed some form of this, uh, most of them very strong that apply kindergarten all the way to college and provide a real legal remedy for girls that are harmed. Um, These are obviously, you know, the the left is challenging these. But again, when you look at the case law, it has already upheld policies that exclude men from women's sports. And so we think based on that, these these court cases are going to uh, lose, that these laws are going to be upheld, and the women's opportunities for fairness in sports are ultimately going to prevail. So uh, finishing up here with, um, with Matt Sharp, he's senior counsel at Alliance Defending Freedom. Um, this is. I think there's some irony in here somewhere. I think it qualifies. Uh, when groups with names like uh, the National Women's Law Center, the Women's Sports Foundation, and Women Leaders in College Sports, those organizations are fighting to allow men to diminish the number of opportunities for women in sports. How many Leah Thomases is, is, is it going to take for organizations like that to see how counterproductive they are? Yeah, it, it has been frustrating to see some groups like that to, to take a side that undermines women. Uh, but I have been encouraged to see more and more feminist groups coming out on the right side of this issue. We've been working with groups like Women's Liberation Front and Women's Human Rights Campaign and others that are taking a strong sense to say, this is not what we fought for when we fought for women's rights. We didn't fight for men to come in and take away the very opportunities that we fought for. And I think more and more we're seeing women taking the lead on this issue, speaking out, women's groups fighting for this. And that's really encouraging to show where the momentum is on this and why this is an important issue to fight for. But as I say every time when I do this story, to me, I think uh, there's a very simple solution to this. When Leah Thomas shows up at the uh, Ivy League Swimming Championships, the, uh, every other woman there, when, when uh, he lines up to, uh, to jump into the pool, they should walk away, including his own teammates, and that would end it immediately. Just, tell, just say that if a man shows up, we ain't swimming. None of us. That would be the end of it. But they, they don't have the guts to do it. Well, I, I'll say one, you know, one kind of parting thing on that. I don't think they should have to. You know, these, yeah, these but they, girls it would work. years and years, years and years honing their skills and abilities for this one moment, and that they should have to give that up because of a bad policy. Uh, I don't think is right. And so, I think the the better thing would be for UPenn to say, you know what, we're going to stand with our girls and we're going to preserve these opportunities for them. And that's where I'm really frustrated just by the cowardice of these universities of the NCAA and others of rather than standing with women or uh, trying to be politically correct. And that's just not the right thing for them to do. Well, the NCAA has been doing stupid things for a long time, and they're not going to stop now. Hey, hey, Matt, I appreciate you coming on. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me on. Okay, that's Matt Sharp, Senior Counsel for Alliance Defending Freedom. We'll be right back. It's finally time to replace that old leaky roof, or how about some new siding? You can count on Windows R Us, the area's premier exterior replacement company. This is John Steigerwald. With over 50 years' experience in the home remodeling industry, Windows R Us offers repair and replacement for roofs, siding, gutters and downspouts, windows, entry doors, even decks. A leaky roof left unfixed can lead to mold and mildew. Maybe you lost siding during the recent windstorms. Don't put those repairs off. Windows R Us offers 12 months no interest financing and no processing fee through Dollar Bank. Want new factory direct replacement windows for your home or office? Choose from 100% vinyl, commercial aluminum, wood, and composite. And how'd you like to never clean your gutters again? For a limited time, get a free gutter filter with the purchase of complete siding or roof replacement. All with 12 months no interest, no processing fee, and backed by the best warranty in the industry. Schedule your free estimate and inspection today at windowsrustpittsburgh.com that's windowsrustpittsburgh.com with joe biden and the radical democrats pushing their socialist agenda pennsylvania needs to send a conservative fighter to the united states senate carla sands is a mega conservative who served on president trump's foreign policy and economic teams with deep roots in central pennsylvania carla sands shares our conservative values carla sands is a christian and a pro-life mom will defend the unborn. Carla Sands is a job-creating businesswoman. 
who will cut our taxes and get Washington off the backs of our small businesses. Carla Sands is a constitutional conservative who will protect our First and Second Amendment rights. And Carla Sands is a law and order conservative who will fight to finish President Trump's wall, crack down on election fraud, and stop Fauci's tyranny. Mega conservative Carla Sands. She'll put America and Pennsylvania first. I'm Carla Sands, and I approve this message. Paid for by Sands for Senate. This is John Stagerwald. You know, I used to think that all towels are pretty much the same, but I found out with my pillow towels, that's not the case. Towels just don't seem to dry anymore. They feel soft and lotiony in the storage, but you get them home and they don't absorb. Well, Mike Lindell at MyPillow found out that around 2006, towels changed forever. They started importing them and adding softeners and other things to the cotton that made them feel good, but they didn't work. He found the best towel company right here in the USA, and they have proprietary technology to create towels that feel soft but actually work. They're all made with USA cotton. They come with the MyPillow 60-day money-back guarantee. You can get a six-piece set, two bath, two hand towels, and two washcloths made with USA cotton, soft and absorbent, regularly $109.99, now $39.99. Just go to MyPillow.com, click on the new radio listener specials, get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the towels. Enter promo code STAG or call 800-716-8087 for these great radio specials. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250. The answer. So I have to spend some time this weekend uh, contemplating a very serious uh, issue, whether or not I'm ever going to eat an M&M again. I like M&Ms. So if you heard this story about M&Ms, uh, the headline is, uh, yeah, Mike's in there. <laughs> He's holding his ears. M&M's characters are getting a new look to become more inclusive. Now, I, I, the fact that there are more than two people on the planet who even know that there are such a thing, there is such a thing as M&M uh, characters, but it says here that the candy company decided to give each of its six characters a fresh modern take on their traditional look and more nuanced personalities to underscore the importance of self-expression and power of community through storytelling. It's candy! It's a bag of M&Ms! They've been around for a hundred years. I've eaten 8,000 of them. It's candy! Oh, And then, this is the... the how much time I got, Mike? i got to get this in here. Um... Uh, I can't find it, but it, what, they're, they're, I think the green F, the green M M&M and M is the one that's giving the biggest change. She's not going to be wearing her high heels anymore. She's going to be wearing sneakers. That'll make the green M and M's taste a lot better. It'll make your kids' lives better. Everybody will be better because M and M's are now more inclusive. I may not ever eat another M M&M and M again. I'll let you know. Talk to you Monday. John Staggerwald Show is a production of the Answer Pittsburgh and Salem Media Group. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.